This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. And welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world And I have to do with them I'm your host Molly Marsh, coming to you from my bedroom again um, It's a bit of a weird lighting situation in here I'm realising once again I've got the big light on when I shouldn't have I'm going to turn the big light off, much better um, Thank you so much everybody for all of the nice comments last week about my interview with Peter Harness um, It was one of the podcasts I'm, I've been most proud of um, uh, in the history of Galactic Yo-Yo um, So yeah, it meant a lot that, that you guys liked it This week on the podcast though um, You'll be hearing a conversation with um, Marie Claire From the YouTube channel Marie Claire's World um, Marie Claire has been uh, watching all of the classic series And reacting to it She's currently um, halfway through Tom Baker's era um, And I spoke to her about that journey And, and what it's been like um, She's got no foreknowledge of what's to come, which is something I find kind of incredibly exciting. You can hear my excitement on the uh, on the podcast recording um, quite uh, quite palpably. Um, but yeah, so I, t- I talked to her about that. And then we also moved on to talking about her unpopular opinion, which is that um, from what she's seen so far, she, prefer- she prefers um, John Pertwee's Doctor to Tom Baker's. Um, so it was kind of interesting to... Um, to kind of uh, pit those doctors against each other and see what was different about them and, and why it really is that I prefer Tom Baker, why it is that she prefers John Pertwee, and it, and it opened up uh, an interesting discussion. Definitely check out um, Mary Claire's videos. Um, they're really good. I've put a link in the description um, to, to that, uh, to her channel. Um, I think this is going to be the last in the run of weekly episodes. There will be an episode, I think, um, next week. Um, but I, I've sort of not got a, um, a real plan yet. Um, as you know, I'm not all that professional when it comes to um, Galactic Yo-Yo. I don't have a fixed plan. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got two or three podcasts in the work uh, in the works. Any one of which could come out next week. Um, so uh, you'll be getting something, but I'm not sure what. Uh, and and this is kind of where the weekly run is ending. Um, but I've enjoyed doing the weekly. Especially um, in uh, in these times where I've had very little else to be doing. But yeah, you'll be getting um, one or two more podcasts before the end of the year. Um, but in the meantime, please enjoy my conversation with Marie Claire from Marie Claire's World. The first thing I wanted to ask you was, obviously you run a, a YouTube channel where you react to Doctor Who. That is the premise here. Mm-hmm. Um how does watching something with a view to reacting to it differ from watching to it watching it and not being watched by others 
That's a really interesting point. I mean, when I first started, I just, I, I definitely just stared at the screen blankly because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. but actually I'm a very expressionate person anyway. I'm maybe some call me dramatic, whatever, you know, OTT. So actually it's just learning to put those expressions that you're feeling in your head outside. Mm. So if I'm, you know, if I do feel shocked, it's just showing it on my face. So actually, you know, some people, I have had people say to me, do you fake it? I do not fake a single thing. It's just mm. translating it from my brain to my face. Because I feel when I'm watching things uh, on my own, I tend to, I imagine that I'm pulling a very straight face. I imagine I look like a robot, even if mm-hmm. it's really funny or really sad or really shocking. My mm-hmm. face doesn't really move. Do you find now that when you're watching stuff, um, <laughs> not for the channel, you're pulling these, these, um, these really exaggerated facial expressions just by by yourself oh yeah you could put a camera on me at any point and i'm and i'm reacting i love that um, yeah definitely i think it's just training your brain isn't it mm. for sure and how do you how do you gauge when is the right time to make a comment Ooh, because i just I think, go with my i gut. think if it were me i'd be conscious of oh i you know i'm not saying enough or i'm saying too much or do you kind yeah. of get into a groove with that? Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I definitely didn't comment enough. And I don't comment that much. You know, there are there are reactors who comment an awful lot mm. during it. And I do think sometimes you're missing out on some some key information. So I I just go with my gut. If I need if I feel the need to say something, I say it. I very, very rarely get a comment saying, oh, you know, you missed a really important part. But, I, you know, I, I, it's about the as well. So just go with your gut, really. Mm, mm. Great. How did it all start then? Um, the channel and, and the yeah the, the, the Doctor Who watching uh-huh. project on the channel? Um, I've always loved watching reactions. I thrive off people's reactions, even if it's giving someone good or bad news in day-to-day life. I just love um, people's facial expressions and seeing people's response. I just like watching humans as a, mm. as a whole. And then I just thought, well, hey, why don't I... Why don't I give it a go? And I'd always wanted to watch Classic Who. And I just, I found it quite overwhelming where to start. Do I do I start from the beginning or do I just pick a random doctor? And then I just thought, you know what? If I just chew, if I just start from the beginning, react, record myself. If one person watches, then that one person is going to wait for my next reaction. Yeah. And that's just how I, that's just how, how I, how I saw it really. Never, ever thinking it would, you know turn into something (laughs) and now you get like a thousand people watching every time yeah that freaks me out a bit (laughs) (laughs) i think a lot of people say this about classic who that it's 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 such a um yeah a a big chunk of tv to watch that people find it quite intimidating i think and i i I found a lot of people um tend to gamify their their classic who pilgrimages in this way whether through twitter threads or reaction videos or reviews or whatever they they like to make it into a project so that they could they don't kind of let themselves down and just and just trail off and stop watching yeah i mean i i feel like i'm like an advocate now for classic who i would just urge anyone just go from the start just do it i feel really really strongly about getting people who have watched um new who just to go back and just just go from the start mm. give did it a go you, did you do the reconstructions um, yes, I think I did. Yeah. It feels, feels like ages ago. I did, you know, it was, you know, it was a bumpy ride through that, through that time, mm. but 
I believe in just watching everything. I can't skip things. It doesn't it doesn't work in no, my I'm, brain. I'm, I'm a bit same. of a yeah, a bit of a completist. So sure. um yeah, just I just oh, it's just opened up my eyes to this whole world of Doctor Who that I just never even knew existed. That's so exciting. I, think, I mean I mean I did knew, know it existed, but to to the level yeah, that it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's at is just mind blowing. How much of Classic Who had you seen before you started watching it? Um, for, for YouTube, nothing. Wow. No, okay. I, li- I literally went in blind, which is why I'm so fussy about spoilers because mm. I, I'm up to Robots of Death Part Three, and I do not have a clue what comes beyond that. Right, which okay. is why when uh, an episode of you know like the Three Doctors happened, I almost fell off my seat because mm. it was mm. just so shocking. Oh, that's amazing. Right. I, 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 I'm going to be careful now then because I'm, I'm used to talking to people on these podcasts. And just saying what I want, so I'm gonna have to be really careful now with my classic yeah. two spoilers. Um, that I think that's probably part of the appeal of the channel, then, isn't it? Because the viewers know that you've not, that you've genuinely not seen any of it before, so the reactions sort of have an authenticity to them because they are, yeah, proper true reactions at every at every moment, no matter how big or or monumental the moment might be. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really do pride myself on that. You know, even down to, um, oh gosh, the Silurians. I had no idea they were in Classic Who. Mm. The Sontarans. <gasps> all of these small things. That's that so great. Just make my reaction absolutely genuine because I, I, I you know, for all I know, um, I'm the Vashta Narada, I know they're not. But for all I know, they're in it. Mm. You know, do you know they're not? <laughs> oh, God, don't. I mean, I know I don't. I don't. <laughs> You know, I don't have a clue. And now that the Three Doctors has happened, I'm very... It gives me hope thinking, gosh, who could come back? And, oh, my God, that's oh, so thrilling. So I wish I was you. <laughs> do it's you, really exciting. Do you have a sense of, like, who the upcoming Doctors are and, and where they come in the chronology? Or, or is that kind of a mystery to you as well? Um, yeah, so I know who they are. I know next is Peter Davison. Mm-hmm. And then it's no idea. But I know oh there's like Sylvester God. McCoy. I know it's Colin Baker, and I know there's uh, Paul McGann. But I don't know. That's I know Paul so McGann's fun. eight. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know anything. The and only you don't companion... know how the regenerations happen, or what how the companions come in, or whatever. Oh, that is so fun. No, I mean, I li- the only companion I knew of was Sarah Jane. I love that. It must be exciting when she showed up then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I thought she, I didn't realize she travelled with the third. So when mm. she turned up. Third, I was yeah, because like, oh. she's yeah, she's more known for traveling with the fourth. I feel exactly, and also you know I haven't got onto K nine yet, so mm. no spoilers. But in my head, he was with Sarah Jane, so I'm like, <laughs> well, why is why is K nine not there? That's so, cool. So you know, all these things is, is is cool. I won't spoil that. Um, <laughs> I think I've, for me, Sarah Jane is like the classic series Clara in the sense that obviously mm. Clara was with Matt Smith for half a season, and Sarah Jane was with uh, Pertwee for for one season um but they they feel like they are more at home and that they come into their own with their second doctors do you know what i mean so that's really interesting because i think clara is stronger with the 11th and i think oh, wow, sarah okay. jane is stronger with the third huh that's really interesting that's, i've never thought of it from that from that point yeah because i've always felt like with clara and the 11th doctor their their personalities are too similar and they and they clash for that reason. I'm not sure it's quite the same thing with Sarah Jane and Pertwee, but I just feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just because she's with Tom Baker for longer. It mm. feels it feels like I identify her with him more. I don't know, and maybe because I watched Classic Who, my experience of Classic Who has been all out of order. 
um you know yeah. I've watched episodes here and there so I've just I've just got used to Sarah Jane with Tom Baker whereas I guess because you're experiencing it all for the first time chronologically mm. you're seeing Sarah Jane with John Pertwee first so it's like just what you're used to I don't know yeah and and I, I have only watched the episodes once I haven't gone back mm. and revisited any so this is just you know like off the top of my yeah. head yeah so but she, I mean Sarah Jane's just great isn't she mm-hmm what about when it came into colour um, at the start of the Pertwee era? That must have been cool. Uh, I actually really struggled. Oh, really? It, okay. Yeah, which is so interesting, going from someone who's only seen New Who yeah. to going back to black and white, which when I first started, I was like, what is happening? Yeah, because you'd have thought I, it'd be a, a bit of a relief when the when the colour I know, and actually, I, 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 I'm not good with change, which is mm. interesting being in Doctor Who but um I just got so adjusted to black and white and I was heartbroken at the loss of the second doctor and Jamie mm. um oh it's a heartbreaking I, um last oh, episode for them as well isn't it oh it's honestly I mean actually and the, the, the war games must have blown your mind when the when the time lords show up oh it was just too much because <laughs> I, I remember I just kept saying is this is this the master is he the master yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, um yeah. But even you know, even the master showing up, I had no yeah. idea the master was in Classic oh. Who. Oh my god, that's so cool! That's so cool. I'm so thrilled by that. Um, what about your journey with New Who then? Because obviously, in order to have the impetus to to start this Classic Who marathon, you must have had a, a kind of perfunctory New Who interest. Um, how did that all all start for you? So, I I picked up Doctor Who in series. It was probably three. more than perfunctory, wasn't it? That's a funny word for me to use. Yeah, it's a great word. <laughs> um, yeah, I I remember seeing Blink and being genuinely petrified and thinking, oh, okay, mm. this is this is cool. And then they announced Catherine Tate as the companion, and mm. that's that's when I committed. So series four is when I committed. Right. So you kind of yeah. came into Doctor Who via being a Catherine Tate fan. Exactly. Huh. I've not heard that before. Oh really? No. They, when, yeah. when they announced Catherine Tate as a companion, I was absolutely mortified. I was like, "Wow!" Oh, because I was I was just like a snobbish twelve year old who thought that Catherine Tate show was rubbish, and I had no interest in someone like that being in my very very serious sci fi program, um, which I of course realise is very stupid now as an adult. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's really interesting. No, oh, I loved Catherine. She's a fantastic companion. Oh. The best, in my opinion. Well, Martha closely follows, but just great, really great. And then you kind of stuck with the show from there, I guess. Yeah, stuck with it through. Um, uh, yeah, no, I actually, I haven't ever dipped from it. I've always consistently watched it, mm-hmm. no matter what I thought of certain Doctors mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. series. Um, and then obviously just went back and revisited series one and two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was there was there a moment when you realised? Okay, I'm now a Doctor Who fan. Um, do you know what? Probably, probably during Stolen Earth and Journey's End. That's mm. when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of a feast for fans, isn't it? Because you're kind of picking up on all of these things that Russell T Davies is kind of bringing back into the, yeah, into the and series, also, and yeah, you, that is a kind of moment for of oh, I yeah, I really love this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love an episode where they chuck everything in. Yeah, chuck everything in, go for it. Let's just let's just have a great big finale, and I that's that's like my dream episode. Which is kind of interesting from a classic Who point of view because I feel like, and I'm this, I'm not going to give everything anything away here, <laughs> but by and large in classic Who, the the stories are much less concerned with the Doctor's world, if you understand what I mean. 
Yep. Um, it's more. Which... It's more about the Doctor visiting other people's worlds, and and the the continuity references are kind of few and far between. Yeah, and I, you know, I do kind of. I'm still in that stage of classic and new who are two separate things in my mm. head i know mm. they're both doctor who but they're i just still see them as two completely different entities because they are so different similar but different yeah um, so in a weird way i see them as two different shows yeah no i definitely agree i think i mean they've got a totally totally different feel to them mm. and i think we're going to start to feel like that i mean i, I won't i'm not the first person to have said this but we're going to start to feel like that about the early years of New Who as well. As time goes on, you know, you watch yeah. series one and two now and it already feels kind of like a different show to oh, the late yeah. the late Moffat or the Chibnall stuff that we've had in the last few years. So it's kind of, we're now getting to that stage where it's it's almost been as long now which since series one as it was between the classic series and New Who, which is, uh, yeah, terrifying absolutely um, terrifying but i think but I also interesting because i think that line that line's going to blur because it's going to stop being like classic who and new who because the because new who is now old so do you know what oh i mean there's gonna God. it's gonna blur together a bit more yeah in, in but people's i mean minds. It's, it's interesting isn't it when you look at where we are in doctor who now compared to series one mm. i mean to me they're two different shows yeah totally. where we are at the moment is just a very an, an off the rail version of doctor who yeah, I think I think you know there's a there's a continuity there in New Who in terms of the the kind of way it's packaged and given to us. You know, we've got these forty five. I mean, they're fifty minutes now, but these forty five minute episodes, the occasional two parter. It's it's packaged for us in it's been packaged for us in a similar way, kind of across the whole run. Whereas mm. Classic Who is obviously packaged for the viewer in a completely different way. Mm. How how was it kind of experiencing that, getting to see stories that were four, five, six, seven, you know, ten, twelve parts? Well, um, I comfortably sit with a story being four parts. I think four parts is adequate. I think too much after that is just I I just switch off a bit. As yeah, much totally. as I as much as I love the war games, mm. ten parts is an awful lot. It was a, and, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and there is, you know, there are there are many bits that we did we don't need. Um but actually I was going to ask you what's your opinion on like the the, the length of the episodes because I don't mind it in classic who but if they were to do it in new who I'd probably really struggle. You mean in terms of if they did those long sort of four yeah. five six part stories? Yeah, I mean it's just the thing is new who um runs at a different pace to classic who. Mm. Do you know it's not as if there's more content in a classic who story. It's just stretched out over a longer period of time, isn't it? Because of the way yeah. it's paced. That's the way I see it. But I agree with you that four is optimum. Yeah. Um, very, very few six-parters actually justify themselves for me. There's only two in my mind that get away with it. And it's Power of the Daleks and... Um, and uh, What's the other one that I always say? Oh, Enemy of the World is the other one Ooh. that I think just about gets away with it. Oh, Enemy of the World, so good. It's really good. And that gets it's away so with it because it has that amazing twist in the middle. And yeah. It justifies having the extra couple of episodes. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. Yeah. And I think the War Games, yeah, 10 is probably too much. But I think the fact that it even almost gets away with being 10 is testament mm. to what a fantastic story it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd think you'd story. get a lot broader than you do. Yeah, that's that's true. And I, I, I love it. What Classic Who is so great at is just making me say, 
what is going on because I feel like there are so many twists and turns. I yeah. do feel like a little bit with New Who, this, you know, I love New Who, but it can be a little bit predictable. Whereas I feel like in Classic Who, they can just, they'll just flip the switch and you're like, whoa, we've just gone 180 the other direction. And it, it's sure. so, so good at doing that. And the cliffhangers are on another level in Classic Who. Yeah, because the, the format of New Who doesn't facilitate exactly. cliffhangers that often, unless you're having a two-parter. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So, and it just, yeah, it just allows for more more opportunities like that. I remember, I can't, forgive me if I forget the names of episodes because I've only seen them once, but there's a there's a cliffhanger where Sarah Jane is falling off like scaffolding. And I just oh, remember Oh, yeah, thinking, is that in the, ha- that's in the Hand of Fear, isn't it? I think it's it in the Hand of Fear. Is that her last story? No. No. Oh, um, no, 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 it's in Genesis of the Daleks where she's, where she's yes. helping to build that rocket. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking... But I know Sarah Jane doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's falling off the scaffolding. Yeah. How how on earth are they gonna are they gonna get out of this? I love yeah. a cop out cliffhanger resolution as well in classic. <laughs> yeah, so good. My favourite kind of cliffhanger resolution is where they cheat and they reshoot the recap. Yeah. And it's and it's something slightly different has happened. And they and they get away with it because back then it had been a week since you watch it watched it and you couldn't go on iPlayer and check. So they can just do what they want. <laughs> yeah, whereas now when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, well, hang on, I've just watched that part and that didn't happen. Yeah, everyone would go on Twitter like, that's inconsistent. But they had no proof in, in you know, 1970 or whatever. I know. I love that. Um, Shall we move on to unpopular opinions? Oh, yes. Do I dare say mine? <laughs> no, I think it's an interesting one. And I think it's an interesting one in light of the fact that you've gone through the third and fourth doctor eras kind of for the first time quite recently i think that makes it interesting so i'm preempting your opinion please share it thank you so uh, my unpopular opinion is that the third doctor is better than the fourth doctor now i would just like to defend myself slightly do your caveats before we uh, before we launch in so i do just want to say i know pert we did five seasons and i am only on the third series of the fourth doctor so that Mm, let's just mm. get that out there um, the reason I felt triggered to speak about this is because I stumbled upon someone's video on YouTube mm. and he and he said, I don't like the third doctor and he is a cheap James Bond. And I thought, oh, this is an interesting topic. Yeah. Um, I uh, the, the thing for me with the third doctor is he, everything that comes with him is incredible. Unit, Joe Grant, the master, those mm. three things that come with him for me, push him way above any other doctor um and i know that people have really strong opinions about him being exiled to earth but i think that was a really great move on their part i think it makes that early part of his era really distinctive doesn't it yeah and i think i don't know you know i'm coming at it from a reaction point of view as someone who is watching it uh, i mean we're all watching it obviously but um this you know thinking oh are we going to get to travel in the TARDIS? Oh, no, that was just a teaser. Oh, are we going to travel? No, not yet. Mm. So it was that constant back and forth of, you'd see the third Doctor go in the TARDIS, but we didn't get to go in. And it was just that constant teasing of, when do we actually get to travel? Yeah. And um, I just think John Pertwee as an actor is one of the greatest. It's interesting that you to me that you found that kind of uh, exciting rather than frustrating. 
at the time i think i did find it frustrating if you were to look at my reactions there's definitely a bit of like oh come on yeah look back now i mean hindsight is a wonderful thing sure i absolutely adore that series mm. um and I, I i'm not saying i don't like the, the fourth doctor because tom baker is a, a genius but by this point with the third doctor i was madly in love with him and i haven't felt that um love for the fourth doctor yet if i think if he were to regenerate now i'd be like sad but okay with it ready for the next one. Oh, that's really interesting <laughs> i think so it's it's pertwee as an actor for you as well as his as well as everything that's going on around him yeah, so like if we take the second Doctor, the second Doctor is incredible to me because he has the strongest run of companions, in my opinion. Mm. So it's everything that comes with it. The, if we, I mean, if we're looking at Series Eight, which they've just obviously announced the Blue Blu-ray release for, that is just the the best season for me of so far of Classic Who Series Eight. And that's that's one along with Season Seven. That's one of the seasons of Doctor Who that's most rooted in a situation, isn't it? Because he's yes. You're getting the master every story. You're getting unit pretty much every story. Yeah. Um, but It feels like I a family, I think. Yeah, and it is going to be personal preference. I typically love Earth-based stories. Right. They are, if we were to look at New Who, they're my go-to episodes. So actually, I do think it is something to do with that as well, just my personal... Because mm. um, Tom Baker, preference. I guess, has far fewer of those. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, they're great. But Pertwee, for me, is just... And I love all the action. I mm. love him being a cheap James Bond. I think it just brings another element to Doctor Who that we just hadn't had before. Yeah, I think I think he's as far. I mean, I think it's inaccurate to say that he's a cheap James Bond. <laughs> and I, but I think he's as far as you can go towards the James Bond archetype with Doctor Who before yeah. it stopped feeling like Doctor Who. I think he, of all the Doctors, you know, New Who and Classic. He's the one that sticks out as not really. I don't know. Uh, people, a lot of people would disagree with me here, but I feel like he's the one who sticks out as not really informing anything after him. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a spoiler, really, but because it, it's just about characterization. But I feel like he's not. He's not what I think of when I imagine the kind of essence of the Doctor as a character, which is what what's always put me off him. I love John Pertwee, but it's what's always kind of stopped him being one of my favourites. That's interesting. He, um, he feels uh, very self-serious in a way that not many of the other Doctors are. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. But it's just so interesting having... If someone said to me, Doctor Who, I would think 10 and 3. So it's just <laughs> really interesting where I... I don't know, I just... I fell in love with the second mm. and I... I think, you know, I did know the hype around Tom Baker before I came into it. He was my mum's doctor. Yeah. Everyone talks about the fourth doctor and just how incredible he is. So maybe I am just a bit on the defence about that, about mm. just trying to form my own opinion and not yeah. trying to listen to that. It, you know, it all could change. But I really, really... Uh, we all have our own doctor in, in the new series, right? Mine's 10. Yeah. And I feel like three is mine with Classic Who. I mm. just feel this connection with him and i love joe grant with every ounce of my being and he just has that series for me terror of the autons is just one of the greatest and i will defend it forever terror of the autons is um 
the first Doctor Who story that I ever caught a glimpse of. <gasps> and this that is a story I've told in the podcast before, so I won't go into it again. Maybe I will, actually, because people will be listening who haven't listened back to the whole back catalogue. But yeah, I I saw a clip of it on UK Gold, the scene with the sofa. Oh my gosh. And I... It really stuck in my mind, and I've never revisited that story. And I've still, because I've not, still not seen every classic Who story. I'm, I'm sort of watching it slowly. I've saved some up. You know, I've been watching them since I was a kid, but I've saved some up to to keep watching, so I never run out of Doctor Who. And oh. I've I've kind of made Terror of the Autons the last one I'm ever going to watch. So I've still not seen oh. Terror of the Autons. Oh my gosh! I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Do you oh, think it's going to be a good last one then? Oh my gosh. So I rate all my stories when I've um, mm. reacted to them just because, and I keep track of them uh, just because I think it's really interesting to look back on and Terror of the Autons is a 10 out of 10 for me. Like just. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. And I, a lot of people said to me when I was going into classic, who, you know, you need to be careful of the effects and just go in open-minded. And I, I love it. I love all the dodgy effects and I, I accept it for the sixties and seventies. I don't, I don't sit there and think, oh, that dinosaur looks a bit dodgy. I just love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's silly to feel put off by it because it's just, it is what it is, isn't it? Like like people say, it's just, I you, don't know, it's to never going it. to be the effects of today. So. No, and I think I would rather um, the effects then than something being too CGI. I don't even know if that's the right technical word. I don't like things too movie like is what i call them i like the the authenticity of you know a puppet dinosaur being for used. sure and there's something there's something more off-putting for me about slightly out of date special effects like when mm-hmm. you go back and you watch some of the early new who stuff like some of the early cgi in like seasons one two three yeah it's it almost feels more jarring than watching like the some of the really dreadful effects in in the the John Pertwee or Tom Baker seasons like there's a shot in um the Matt Smith story the big bang uh, no the pandorica opens where they go to a planet and river has left him a message in a, in in rock do you remember the mm-hmm. scene yeah yeah and they step out of the tardis yeah. and it's just one shot but it is absolutely shocking it looks like yeah. a playstation 2 game um and you can tell they just ran ran out of money but I'd rather look at like, you know, some hokey bubble wrap monster in a Tom Baker story than that dreadful CGI any day. Yeah, I, I, I completely, completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Because you just accept those classic effects in a kind of, as if it's like a, a, a theatre production. It, do you know what? That's so true. And actually, I just accept it. It is classic who. It's the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. I think it goes into. I don't really know. Um and I, that's what I expect. And that's what I want. I wanted to, um, I'd never watched anything in black and white before. Like I went in blind. Mm. So it was, I, and I find it a breath of fresh air because I do just find things a bit too technical. Mm. I'm, I just, yeah, I'm much more of, I would much rather watch a theater production than, um, you know, the Avengers. Yeah, I can relate to that. What about John Pertwee then? And his, um, to me, he is a patriarchal figure more than some of the doctors around him. Like he, <laughs> he um, 
comes across as more traditionally masculine than either Patrick Troughton or Tom Baker to me. And that's another thing that maybe stops him from being one of my favourites. See, I think that's why I like him. Right. I, okay. Because I, if I were travelling in the TARDIS, I would want that father figure. I would want someone who mm. I know could get up and defend me. Not whip out the sonic screwdriver, yeah. but someone that could physically defend. And um, Oh, yeah, I would trust him more than Tom Baker, for sure. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, I mean, Tom Baker's a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit scatty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. As is Patrick Troughton. Yeah, so true. Yeah, but um, yeah. If I if I had to choose a doctor, I would want the third doctor by my side, and I mm. I really like he's got this like go getting um, uh, attitude, you know. But also, I did just want to mention his uh, relationship with Delgado. Mm. Um, also just makes the whole thing, and I I I believe that I don't want to get a bit like deep here, but. Mm. Obviously, Delgado sadly passed away, and yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. just think we are so lucky to have had series eight mm. with Delgado in every episode, yeah, definitely. Or every story to 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 have that memory of him. And um, I, I someone said to me, you know, um, Delgado is the best master, and no one will ever beat him. And actually, I I don't know if the master comes back, and I don't. I'm trying to dodge spoilers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say nothing, but. It's just so funny when you watch New Who and I'm like, no, no one could be better. Mm. How could anyone be better than, you know, anyone that I've ever seen? And then you just watch Classic Who and you're like, oh, Delgado. Delgado right. is brilliant. Yeah, there there he is. I think for me, Gomez is still the, the best ma- master for me. But I think there's something of Delgado in her. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I don't give, I haven't given Missy much of my attention. Mm. She, I need to give her more attention i'm trying to go back at the moment and revisit episodes that i dodge yeah um and i definitely need to give her a bit more of my time because i don't she she has that frenemy relationship with the doctor that delgado's master had for me yeah and, and you can never quite read their face no it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Do, do i trust you or are you being serious yeah because there's a, there's a number of third doctor stories where they all, almost end up having to work together slightly yeah well i think that was the plan wasn't it yeah. when um before Delgado passed away for him to do one more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But that sadly, obviously, never could come to fruition. That's devastating. What What about the way that um, that Pertwee's Doctor interacts with his companions? Then there's definitely, I mean, obviously, there's literally an assistant relationship there with the with Liz and with Joe, and then with Sarah Jane that slightly changes. But there's definitely more of a a there's more of a explicit hierarchy between him and his companions and like the way he talks to to Joe in particular is different to the way that maybe Tom Baker talks to Sarah Jane yeah and there's definitely he definitely speaks to Joe differently to Liz um mm. because obviously Liz had the knowledge Joe came in uh, acting quite you know she got the job through her uncle or something yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely a difference there. I, I I really don't get offended by it. I don't mind it. Mm. Mainly because she was hired as his assistant. Um, and I, I, again, I have only watched the episodes once, so I can't quote for yeah. quote. But yeah. um, I, I, I just, I like the, 
power is maybe the wrong word. Mm. I like the authority he brings. I like I like that relationship. I don't think at any point he's overly degrading. I don't think he's, you know, there's definitely things that William Hartnell said that, or the first doctor said that yeah. were definitely a little bit, you know, controversial. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't think... As, mu- as much as, you know, some people try and claim that Twice Upon a Time came out of nowhere and that William Hartnell was, you know... Uh, a social justice warrior of his time it just isn't the case and his doctor could be quite problematic yeah exactly Um, i i feel like everything the third doctor does is out of a place of love and genuine care for joe and i do focus on joe here just because i feel like she is a huge part of him and his journey yeah and i i I, she's his iconic companion i think yeah and he took i think he took her on as as a daughter and everything he does is from a place of love and I, i you know i think that is consistent with all of the doctors i don't think anything mm. is ever done with a malicious edge not at all um, so i d- i don't take offense to it i i have read comments where people don't like that of the third doctor which i completely understand but i just like someone who is a bit of a more um just go get her and mm. sometimes sometimes you have to snap at someone yeah. it's not all it's not all nicey nicey and you know it's not all you know 10th doctor and rose it's no it's she was hired as his assistant and that's what she's there to do yeah and, and with a, a partnership like the 10th doctor and rose i think there is a sense that the doctor clearly does consider himself her superior but uh, kind of runs with this charade that they're somehow equal which c- could never be true whereas there's almost a, a greater honesty in what pertwee's doctor does for joe where he yeah, kind of exactly. admits that she's not his equal and that he is her mentor um, yeah, which yeah. I'll, I'll always respect someone more for doing that, you mm. know, just being honest with it. And yeah. I, Jo knows where she stands as well. She, she, sure. I don't think she was ever hired to think, right, you know, she didn't even know the TARDIS existed. So no. she's going in it thinking, right, I'm his assistant. And I just feel like that's what makes her such a wonderful character is everything beyond that is just this, this whirlwind and this bonus and this, mm-hmm. um, you know she never expected to even probably get the job in the first place with unit so yeah. i just think there's a there's a honesty and an innocence with knowing where you stand with with someone else yeah and i think their respect for each other grows as the series go on doesn't it oh yeah for sure but i think that what that's what makes it so real because you don't just meet someone and have an instant uh, bond the way that we do see sometimes you know you mm. as a as a as a woman i wouldn't just get into a a, a blue box with someone <laughs> I, I just wouldn't no and i and i feel like that's what's so lovely with the third doctor is we see the relationship mm. built mm. and we see this so what's in the tardis then and um the master comes in and it just feels that much more real which is why I just have certain opinions about certain monsters and stuff that when they feel more human-like, I just relate more and I just click a bit more. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think it does feel like a very human relationship um, in contrast to some of the other classic Doctor and Companions relationships and also in in contrast maybe to some of the new Who Doctor and Companion relationships. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you're you're right there. I was just going to compare it with... um, the doctor and donna you know i i really like that that she was looking for him and it wasn't just he's appeared with this this tardis and she's going to get in it you know there was a little bit of little bit of building there to mm. kind of create this foundation of okay i want to be in that tardis i want to travel with you 
and I, I really I really appreciate that when that's done in the writing and it's not just a I'm just gonna get in your TARDIS and we're mm. gonna fly around. Yeah, there's a patience to it. Yeah, exactly. I suppose that the three companions that well, if you don't count the Brigadier, which I do, but the three kind of female companions that um the third doctor has kind of all um they're all markedly different in their approach to him and in the in their approach to kind of travelling in the TARDIS. Obviously Liz never travels in the TARDIS, but she is kind of, she is, as you highlighted earlier, is more as equal because of her academic background and her knowledge. And Mm -hmm. that was really different to anything that came before it and after it. Um, Yeah. Whereas Joe, obviously, the thing that makes me feel uneasy about Joe, as much as I love Joe and as much as I love Katie Manning and that whole relationship, the thing that makes me uneasy is that the the production teams, you know, sacked um, Carol and John because mm-hmm. they felt that she was kind of too clever and they replaced her with Joe, who's obviously a little bit, um, she's not the sharpest tool in the shed by comparison. No. Um, which makes me feel a little bit, I don't know, makes me feel a little bit uneasy as much as, I don't know, do you, do you see what I mean? I I, com- I completely get that. And I I feel like the character of Liz had so much more potential yeah. than if she'd have travelled in the TARDIS. For sure. I, I, I kind of, I have a few companions that I kind of call the forgotten companions mm. and she is one for me because I didn't see her travel. And, uh, I, I, yeah, the reasons that they've sacked her is, is not, not, not great. It doesn't sit right. But then you get Sarah Jane who feels like, it feels like a, a happy medium between Liz and Joe because she's, she's a little bit more, uh, she's a little bit, writer she's a little mm-hmm. bit more of a feminist character than, than maybe someone like joe was although I, I feel uncomfortable even saying that that feels like the wrong take as well but you you see what i mean yeah and she but then on the other hand she's got that she's got that lust for life that that joe had whereas liz is maybe a little bit too serious compared yeah. to sarah jane do you know what i mean so it's it's funny how they reach this equilibrium with sarah jane yeah, and I, I definitely uh, feed off companions who have that lust for life and are go-getters, and it's why I love Joe and Sarah Jane because yeah. if you were given that opportunity, I know obviously Liz wasn't of what we saw, but if you were given that opportunity, you would just take it with both hands. And Sarah Jane was just incredible casting, I think, at that point, and also she, I, she really sticks up for women in mm. her in her in her episodes, and I, you know, I I didn't know the politics back then and it was really refreshing to see that now as a woman in this day and age seeing her really stick up for women's rights yeah i mean her whole thing in her first story is that she's is that she's got this these kind of feminist credentials and she's a career woman and i mean they're very 1970s feminist concerns but it's yeah it's compelling all the same yeah it's it's really nice to see and um you know, it's like when people say that Doctor Who isn't political. I, you know, I think it always has been, really, just in maybe more of a subtle way. A hundred percent, definitely. Yeah. What about Pertwee's Doctor's relationship with the Brigadier then? Because you know, although he has these three companions that change, he has Liz, he has Sarah Jane, uh, Joe, and then he has Sarah Jane. The consistent companion really is the Brigadier, and oh, that's, that's the relationship that kind of defines that Doctor for me. I love the Brigadier so much. Um, I just, the the whole unit idea, Mm. just how they ever thought that that would work. I mean, I I assume they just went off of uh, just the casting there, but 
just such an incredible, incredible idea. And just how straight faced the brigadier is. Yeah. Can absolutely make a scene for me. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> yes. even he doesn't even need to say a word. No. He can just even when the third doctor was regenerating, it's like, here we go again. Just yeah. this just this look. Um the, I the word I've seen used to describe him is unflappable. He's completely <laughs> unflappable, whereas Pertwee is this crazy flamboyant character and the companions are these are these characters with lust for life. You've then got the brigadier who's just completely unfazed by every situation that he's in. Yeah, like the, how, the, the whole place could be burning down and he'd be like, okay, well, yeah. he's, we he's like the dog in that everything's fine meme with the house on fire behind it. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, and I... Maybe that's why I'm struggling as well with the... I'm not struggling, that's an exaggeration. But but the fourth Doctor, we haven't had that. Again, I don't know if Brigadier ever comes back. I don't know if Benton ever comes back. Mm. So I, I'd i got so you'll used have seen to... A couple, having... You'll have seen a couple of Tom Baker Brigadier stories, though, haven't you? At the start so. of At the start of his run. In like yeah. his first couple of seasons, he has some Brigadier stories. Yeah, my memory's awful. But I'm, I, he has been in. Yeah. So, but, but that that connection that he had with Unit, um, you know, even having him come in the TARDIS, I just thought was so amazing. Benton mm. coming in the TARDIS, yeah, just just great. And I, you know, I just really, I'm really molded with that era. So era, um, so just stepping off that to to Tom Baker, who is an incredible Doctor, and I really see a link with him, and um, I actually see a link with him and, and Matt Smith actually. So definitely. Um, I just it's just adapting which mm. with every doctor that comes in obviously we know it's going to happen but I still struggle every time a new doctor comes yeah, in it's also still a because, journey right yeah and also because I'm only spending about six months on each doctor which mm. I am trying to slow down a bit yeah so I don't have that same time to you know by the time I'm in thrust into it they're gone and I'm like whoa I've, I haven't had time to like fully appreciate you sure Sure. Yeah, and and Tom Baker's such a different doctor to John Pertwee. He must have been he must have had a bit of whiplash when yeah, uh, I, when he came on board. Yeah, I mean, look, he's great and I really like this um silly uh, Which story did you say you were up to by the way before I spoil anything? Uh I'm up to the Robots of Death. Robots of Death. Part cool. Three. I will uh, so, I'll keep that in mind in the in this Tom Baker discussion. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I, I actually took to Tom Baker super quickly. I think his first episode was called Robot. Yeah, I think. yeah, and he's so magnetic um, straight away, isn't so he? So good. Like when he was changing costumes and just uh, that, small things like that, I absolutely adored and I did fall for him really quickly. Yeah. But I just, the stories just haven't hit the same mm. the, the same level for me as they have with the third doctor but also I, they are the era that i feel i'm in at the moment is incredible ever since i hit pertwee through i just feel like i've just been living the dream with the episodes that i'm kind yeah. of just being handed to me that doesn't surprise me like the the fan consensus is kind of crowds around that era, that era from kind of pertwee up to well up to a certain point that you've not reached yet <laughs> um so yeah it, it doesn't surprise me that you're that you're enjoying it um yeah, yeah i i guess it, it yeah it did strike me earlier when you when you were talking about kind of the reliability of pertwee's doctor 
Tom Baker does is a little bit more frightening. He's a he's a less friendly presence in your in your living room, isn't he? Yeah, he makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you're looking at him, thinking, "But have you got this? Do you know what mm. is about to happen?" And I, I guess, in a weird way, I don't trust him yet. Yeah, uh, it's a bit I, like Capaldi, isn't it? In season, in series eight, where you're like, "I know this guy's got a plan, maybe, but I don't yeah. know whether I'm gonna be still alive at the end of his plan." <laughs> yeah, and I, I, yeah, and I, part of me is like, "Do I, do I want to trust you?" Because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I I don't know. I just don't. I just don't. Ha- I don't know. I don't mm. know. That's the only way I can explain it. Whereas with Poe, it was like, yeah, third Doctor's got me. He's got my back. I know he'll do whatever it takes. Whereas with the fourth Doctor, him and Sarah Jane, incredible together. So yeah. now I've just started with Leela. I'm just still a bit like I don't. I don't know how far the fourth Doctor would go mm. to save the one that he loves or sure. cares about. Yeah, Tom Tom Baker kind of doesn't. He never seems to take the the situation as seriously as 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 John Pertwee's Doctor does, which can be unsettling. Yeah. When you feel like when you feel like a situation is serious and he's not taking it seriously, it's like when you have a dream. I I have dreams all the time where mm-hmm. I I have um some something I need to do or some objective I need to complete, and I'm the only one taking the situation seriously. Do you have dreams like that? Yeah. yeah, I'm really, I'm really funny about people taking situations seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I love a laugh, but I, I really love it when the fourth Doctor. I, there's only been a couple of times so far where I've absolutely seen him shout. Yeah, and I've, I've quite, it's jolted me, and I thought, oh, I quite, I quite like that side of you because mm. I want to see that more, and I, I hope because there, you know, I assume there's still time yeah. that we, that I see that a little bit more because I, no, no, that's I, it. I, Robert's I, the Death Pot Force's last one. No, no, no. I'm just no, joking, just no, joking. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me. Sorry. Um, I mean, that would be a great one to go on. But um, yeah, I just, I like it when the doctor gets angry and I, yeah. I don't know if I can swear on here, so I, I won't. But No, feel free. I, I really like it when shit gets real. Yeah, and I say yeah. this again and again. I want life or death situations. Mm. This is why I have certain issues with the couple of series that have just happened yeah. in you who uh-huh. I want to know that someone could potentially die. Mm. And I know that sounds really grim, but it's not all flowers and roses. It's, mm. you know, I, I just want to see someone defending someone sure. and fighting for their life. And Pert, we would do that. I, I say Pert, we're a third doctor. Yeah. And I just, I just, I hope, I hope we see that from the fourth doctor because mm. I think that, you know, I, I, my opinion of him would massively change. Yeah, I don't think I'm drawn to that like you are. I think I, I think I like, I like it when I, when I can see somebody sort of get out of a situation by ridiculing it. Maybe like, for I have this theory about every doctor dies in a, in a, in a scenario that their successor would have gotten out of without having to die. So, and it really rings true for me with the, with the third doctor because obviously he dies due to his confrontation with the great one in planet of the spiders which mm-hmm. is this he has this um really serious really brooding confrontation with this massive uh, spider um mm-hmm. and when you imagine tom baker having that confrontation you he'd have he'd have just laughed in the face of that massive spider he would not have taken <laughs> yeah. the situation seriously he'd have probably gotten out of it with some yo-yo trick or something and so it's almost like in order to to stop being 
to to prevent being defeated by something like that by a force like that again Pertwee's doctor had to become somebody who refused to take evil so seriously do you mm. see what i mean yeah that's really interesting i've n- i've never thought of it from that point i just the darker the better for me yeah the I, i'll take i'll yeah as dark as you can get in doctor mm. who i'll take it they, they'll be my favorite episodes just but I, spo- I, just... I suppose some of those tom baker episodes you've been watching are, that are really dark but he, tom baker is the thing that sticks out as not dark in them you like a story like genesis of the daleks or something yeah which is incredible and I, yeah i i just would like to see him a little i do like him in his you know funny ways but i would just like him just for a second just to see him because i think if i see the fourth doctor panicked i'm gonna think well this is serious then mm, mm. because i think i think it would take a lot to push him to yeah. that point and actually i i would have thought that maybe i felt a little bit underwhelmed with sarah jane's departure because okay. i thought the fourth doctor would have fought a little bit more i yeah. know he could take her to gallifrey because of stuff that had happened yeah yeah but I just, what I just wanted a little bit more of a fight. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, just a little bit. Oh, that's so, one. Of, well, that's one of my favourite scenes in all of Doctor Who. That Sarah Jane departure. But I, I do see what you mean, especially yeah. compared to some of the exits in New Who. It is a bit lacklustre. Yeah, and that's where sometimes it can. It's a bad thing that I've seen New Who because yeah. I have that. I have that comparison. I mean, I like the the, the freeze frame they did at the end with Sarah Jane. Yeah. But I just, I, I was just expecting. I didn't cry at her departure, which is not like me. And mm. I just, it just didn't hit me in the gut. And I just oh, I found... Can't, I can't watch that without crying, actually. Really? Yeah. I just found the fourth Doctor just a bit unbothered by it. And I and I know he, he was bothered by it, but I just wanted to see a bit more substance there. Yeah. That's 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 all. Huh. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I suppose, yeah. yeah. For me, there's a poignancy to how how he manages to hold it together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and how Sarah Jane just walks off the TARDIS whistling like yeah. like nothing's happened, whereas I'd be crying on the floor. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just think I I I think I'm just waiting for that that moment. I feel like there's always a moment with the Doctor, isn't there, where we go, ah, there he is, mm. and I'm or she. So I'm yeah. just waiting for that moment with the Fourth Doctor where I go, okay, he's here, and I just haven't I just haven't had that yet. But it you know I could have time i know this isn't the doctor we're talking about but out of interest when did that moment come for you if you can remember um with the first doctor Ooh, that was i know specifically it was with the aztecs huh okay there was um because he'd been quite serious up to that point yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i just remember thinking i just i'm not very good at um I, I just hadn't bonded with him and he had some there was some scene with him and ian and there was a bit of banter and i was like oh okay i can i can do this mm. and um it just clicked and it was from then onwards and it yeah that's God, cool. that seems like ages ago <laughs> no he does get a bit play bit more playful in the aztecs oh he does and then then you just start to see glimmers the romans you mm. see it as well oh my you know, word do, yeah you know the romans definitely does cross a line but um i just love seeing that side of him so yeah. i linking back to the fourth doctor i've seen the, fu- the that side the funny side of the fourth doctor so i'd just like to see the flip side and the serious side yeah. when i can see both sides I, I feel like that's when i that's when i'm content sure sure that's really interesting for, for me i think with the first doctor that moment comes in the rescue when he when he meets vicky and he has oh. he has such a tender approach to comforting vicky in a way that 
I don't know. You can't imagine him having been with any other character really before that, other than maybe Susan. No, that's that's a really interesting point. And actually, all the Doctors have had a moment like that, haven't they? The second Doctor had it with Victoria in yeah, Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, and I feel like Pertwee's would have been, I can't remember the name of the episode, but he was talking to, to someone in, I don't know, but he had a moment and I remember thinking, okay, they've all kind of had this little speechy chat with someone. Yeah, I mean, there's that moment with Pertwee in the Time Monster where he talks to Joe about um, growing up on Gallifrey. Um, yes that's that's one of the moments that always gets clipped on youtube and stuff um yeah yeah, yeah so i don't I, you know Tom, um the fourth doctor could have had his but from my from what i remember i haven't had that just haven't had that moment yet that i'm just yeah you know i feel like i'm just waiting for that click moment that you know and then it'll, it'll all fall in sure. but i do love the, i do love the fourth doctor i do want to make that very clear <laughs> yeah i mean he's undeniably brilliant Oh gosh! Incredible. Obviously, you have kind of next to zero knowledge of what's what's to come with the rest of Classic Who, but Mm. what what are you most looking forward to seeing on the journey ahead? And what what do you what do you kind of hope you're going to be seeing more of? Or 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 yeah, what kind of moments do you hope you're going to be seeing or whatever? I mean, if I could if I could say to you what my dream moment would be, um, it would be to have the third doctor reappear that would be like my dream do you know i just something we had the three doctors sure if the third doctor were to come back i would yeah i'd i'd be at the mess so that would be my dream okay do you know what i just want to be shown something new with every doctor that comes in and every new series i really am so open-minded about it yeah and um i don't think i can even predict what happens because i don't i mean it's you know i didn't even know the master existed in classic so uh, i suspect the master comes back because we've had the master when he was like all shredded down just i called him googly eyes um in an in episode the de- yeah in the deadly assassin yeah yeah so i suspect the master could come back mm. which i would be open to because obviously it's going to have to be a new a new actor yeah um i just really want the companions to shine we've had yeah. so many great companions in classic who I just, I'm just so excited for what could happen. You know, just knowing that, I don't know. I know the sensorites don't come back. And I always bring up the sensorites because I just feel like they have so much potential in New Who. Yeah. But just the excitement of not knowing who could potentially come back is, that's what makes it so exciting. That's so exciting. I mean, the, the Ood are sort of New Who sensorites, aren't they? Yeah, I just, in I just. Way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But the sensorites... I mean, still some of the freakiest looking things I've ever seen. Mm. I just think if they pulled that off in New Who, it would be really, really great. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. They're, 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 yeah, they are an unsettling design. I mean, particularly that moment where they, where the sensorite shows up at the window. <laughs> it makes you that, shit yourself, doesn't it? Honestly, uh, that's all I see. Whenever I think of sensorites, that's all I see. <laughs> it's just the most. Te- I was like, what is this like old man creature thing? Yeah, yeah. That one of the most terrifying moments, though, for me in all of Classic Who is, um, and it's a moment you've seen, so don't worry. Um, okay. At in the Edge of Destruction, um, where um, Susan has the scissors, I just, oh. I can't deal with it. I find the look on her face so disconcerting. Um, oh. It's scarier than any monster to me. 
Yeah, well, yeah, especially when a when a human yeah. is kind of well, human t- is kind of just turning sure. the other way. It's and really it's a human that you trust as well, right? It's a person that you trust. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting talking to you, thinking of moments because obviously I've only seen it once, mm. so I I do forget little. Well, I've forgotten probably a lot of it. Yeah. So it's interesting when you mention little bits like that. That's a great moment. It's it's also interesting kind of speaking so i spoke to a, a a guy who does similar videos to you um called fail whale 34 i don't know if you've seen his videos yes yeah um but he it's it's similar talking to both of you because obviously you, you're kind of experiencing doctor who for the first time with him it's new who for you it's classic who but it's a similar thing mm. and it's it's interesting to see when when you when people like you guys when your opinions do and don't align with what has become established as fan consensus do you know what i mean so yeah there's a sense that i've obviously i've been one of these fans for a long time who's like read stuff and read people's opinions about doctor who and and accepted people's recommendations at face value and have have sort of fans get this kind of get these kind of um received wisdom feelings about things where it's like oh yeah that's definitely the best one or that's definitely a crap episode or this mm-hmm. is definitely the best doctor or whatever and it it's interesting to see which of those those kind of bits of wisdom are confirmed by new view- new viewers and which are completely just proven to be entirely subjective i mean obviously yeah. it's all subjective but you see what i mean yeah i mean that's what i was so terrified about coming into classic who but actually i did my first ever reaction to the last series of new who and i've never really right. done new who before and the opinions were so it was a it was a lot people have very mm-hmm. very strong mm-hmm. opinions whereas i feel like with classic who i've got my group of people they know where i stand with things but it's terrifying putting your opinion 100%. about something like doctor who out there on the internet when especially with the act- youtube comment section i mean those guys are hell no yeah, I mean, I have been, I have been so lucky. Touch yeah. wood, with the comments. Um, I mean, I've seen some people get absolutely hounded. Mm. I mean, I, the, I when I did a rewatch of um, Hellbent, mm. that's when I got my first hate comment. It's the I only mean, ever one. Hellbent is very contentious for people, isn't it? Yes, and because I liked it, someone decided to insult me. Yeah, which fine but actually now i feel very strongly if i like something i like something yeah doctor who is so broad you cannot expect everyone to like every single episode and i i find it sad that we live in a well certain parts of twitter Mm. um, live in this world where we should like everything it's okay not to like everything yeah yeah or that there are certain things that we absolutely shouldn't like exactly i you know and coming you know starting the youtube channel i didn't have an idea that people really had strong opinions because I wasn't really on Twitter. I just Mm -hmm. lived in this bubble that everyone liked Doctor Who if they liked it. But actually, you know, seeing people's opinions of like Clara and the 13th Doctor and Rose, I'm like, whoa, I just thought everyone liked everyone. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. It's a a minefield. Yeah, Um, you've just just got to have your own opinion though. You can't, you know, just, yeah, if you're you're strong enough in your own opinion, stick with it. It's not for anyone else tell you i think also it's becoming clear that some opinions are listened to more than others depending on who they're coming from do you know what i mean i think there's a sense of we're starting to understand that fan communities not just the doctor who fan community but fan communities in relation to everything are are, are kind of have an uh, often have this um 
underlying misogyny and racism that is yeah it's troubling because opinions are opinions right yeah and it's i think definitely since you know jody's come into it the just some of the comments that i've witnessed honestly i just find them shocking Mm. i don't i don't I just don't understand. I don't understand that world of things. If you've got nothing nice to say, you know, it's different. It's different having an opinion and then having like hate against someone. And I, there's a couple of uh, commenters on my channel that I kind of have to reel in every so often because they'll they'll start talking about how much they dislike the Thirteenth Doctor on an episode of you know Classic Who, and I'm like, whoa, this is Classic Who. Yeah, it's not this relevant. Is what we talk about here. Don't come bringing your hate here because I just haven't got time for it. Mm. just respect people's opinions Mm. i think it's i mean the 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 latest two seasons have been especially interesting for me because there's kind of there's a uh it's so divisive but Mm -hmm. it's not as simple as you know well-intentioned people like it and and misogynists don't like it because there's a whole sense that well actually some very well-intentioned and politically right on people think that the series isn't doing enough and isn't doing the right things so there's a Mm -hmm. there's a weird kind of disconnect there do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's a tricky one doing the right thing is is really interesting yeah um you know we all have very very strong opinions about um, one series in particular i'm sure sure um uh, and i would i i would never sit here and say that i didn't like an episode or Mm. or a series and i feel i feel really strongly about that just because when I'm a fan of something, I'm a fan of it in its in its whole entirety. So, okay. um, if we take fear her, right? Mm. I don't. It's it, I would avoid it, but I would never sit here. You and nearly say said I you didn't like it then. <laughs> but I wouldn't say I didn't like it. There no, was that's okay. many many parts that aren't great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but actually, if that was the only episode I had left of Doctor Who, then I'd just have to suck it up. Yeah, sure. So, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I the like internet's it. a the internet's a scary place, isn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, petrifying when I when I came onto it. Yeah, um, and actually, because on Twitter you can kind of see other people's conversations when mm. it comes up on your feed, and just seeing some of the stuff said, and I'm just like, whoa! I just want to watch Doctor Who and enjoy it if I can, you know. I'm and let's let's talk about it if we can. It doesn't mm. have to turn into um, I'm right and you're wrong because no. that's not that's just. I, I feel like we're in a society where people just don't debate anymore. Mm. Let's just well, that, that's talk what about I, it. Yeah, that's what I find so interesting about doing this podcast is that I'm obviously hearing quite unusual takes each episode because of the, the you know because of the podcast premise. But you know, I'm not. I'm never on the defensive with it. I'm always like, okay, let's learn from this person's take and let's yeah. see what I can get from it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it was really it's really refreshing listening to a podcast because I was speak I was hearing um, someone speak about their love for. I think it was like series eight or they were speaking about their love of Clara. And mm. actually I, I, it does, it does open your eyes to things that maybe you hadn't thought about before. Yeah. Or um, I, I respect people that really feel really passionately about certain aspects because I think, well, good, good for you. If that resonated with you for whatever reason, fan, fantastic. You, it doesn't affect me. You mm. loving Clara. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's, it's strange how some people, uh, seem to want kind of uniformity of thought how uh, boring would that be yeah <laughs> we'd all be cybermen wouldn't we like if we were all like yeah i love rose and i love martha it's like yeah. come on let's let's t- it's it's refreshing talking to someone 
because I haven't done conventions or anything, just because I'm so new to this whole YouTube thing, I can't. I find speaking in my comments with with the subscribers mm. so refreshing because I can yeah. talk. I don't have anyone around me that is a fan of Doctor Who. No. So it's it's really refreshing being able to have a conversation with someone about why do you like it and why don't you like it? Why could it be better? Sure. What would you have done? You know. Well, thank you so much for for having the conversation. It's been it's been great. I, I might wrap up now. But, yeah, um, go for it. Where where can people find your videos and your content and your internet presence? Oh gosh, I've got to sell myself now. Um, so I'm on YouTube at Mary Claire's World, and that is my Instagram as well. And my Twitter is uh, Mary Claire's Life, I think. So that's where that's where I am. If you want my if you cool. want my Doctor Who content, I'll put the Twitter in the in the in the in the and the YouTube in the in the description of the Thank podcast you. anyway. Thank um, you. you can find me on Twitter, um, listeners, at Molly underscore Martian. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Galactic Yo-Yo Pod. And you can email me um, with all of your um, angry thoughts at GalacticYoYoPod at gmail.com. But until next time, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for That's doing right. the bye, because so often I say, bye-bye, everybody. And the, the person <gasps> just, like, sits there. I'm like, come on, like, say bye. <laughs> Back me up here. Yeah, yeah, innit? <laughs>